Welcome to the business of open source. Every week, we explore different aspects of the relationship between money and open source software, talking with industry experts about monetizing open source projects, building a company around an open source or several open source projects, and the business value that open source provides. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the Business of Open Source. I am Emily O'Meer, your host, and today I'm chatting with Nicholas Gellner, who is the founder of Medusa. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for the invite, Emily. Sounds like a, a very interesting topic here. Let's actually just have you introduce yourself. Who are you and, and what is Medusa? I'm Nicholas. I'm a, a co-founder here and CEO. Together with me, not today, but on a regular basis, is Sebastian and Ollie, who basically were the ones first getting into the to the engineering parts of Medusa. And a very short story about what Medusa is, we call it an open source Shopify alternative. I think the right way to talk about it from an engineering standpoint of the people familiar with the open source world is that it's really sort of a composable choice of e-commerce platform that allows you to build on an abstraction-based architecture that gives you much more flexibility in terms of your stack than what have previously been possible with many many of the other solutions. Before diving into all the depth of, uh, of Medusa, yeah, the brief introduction to me, I sit out with everything operational and growth rate here in Medusa, but I come from a, a background of business and consulting where I spent a lot of my time working also within the world of e-commerce. And yeah, that's basically... Uh, bit about me and we jump into details of uh, Medusa later, I think. Yeah. So my, my first question is just what made you and your co-founders decide that, you know, the world needed an open source alternative to Shopify? Yeah, it was actually a lot less of a, a conscious decision more than it was uh, made out of a need uh, that my two co-founders had back when they were building e-commerce as an agency. And that I have seen many times also with, with sort of larger, larger clients here. What they, were, what they were standing in verge of was for this one particular Danish client, they wanted to have a tech stack that they could really take control of because their primary road to market would be e-commerce. And so they wanted a solution they could easily scale with that allowed them to have flexibility in terms of what third service providers they used. And it really gave them the customization options they needed both on the front end and on the back end of the application. And really what my co-founders did here was go out and actually research the market and say, okay, what's out there that can support this type of need? And this was back in 2018. Really a lot of good point solutions were already available. So I mean, Stripe for, for payments, there were some good solutions for uh, warehousing logistics, Denmark, there is CMS solutions for making product enrichment, making sure you had a, a really good uh, setup to to potentially run a headless front end. And so a lot of good point solutions across the stack. The problem was there was no good integration layer where all of these solutions could flow to sort of in a natural way. And the many existing e-commerce solutions at this time were built in sort of the old school paradigm of Let's try to have a solution that can do it all. Uh, that being like Shopify, WooCommerce, and others. That really tries to build all in one solution. And it ends up, as many developers have experienced, and probably many business owners as well, 
and you try to make customization to these type of engines, you just end up with a hassle of different applications running on the side, either functioning as translation layer in between a, a third party service or potentially storing data outside to realtor and throw back into the engine. So many different compositions where you just need to build a much more complex tech landscape than, than what is really needed. And this frustration they will live with as well uh, for this one client. They were like, if we have all the good point solutions, why don't we build then the integration engine? And instead of trying to build everything into this, we just make sure that this engine is really, really good at everything e-commerce. So that's all the basic functionality related to customers, related to products, related to orders. And then what you have in between of gift carding and, and other uh, smaller elements as, that are sort of very e-commerce specific, you take these and package them into one solution, and then you integrate uh, your way out of everything else for the rest of the stack using sort of the best in breed out there. And they did this for this client. Uh, this was obviously a, a good success since producers to where it is today. This time easily scaled to some plus 50 markets. They had very low need for development resources. So today it's one front-end engineer sort of taking care of their whole tech stack and tech setup. And in general, this was an approach that really was efficient for for them in sort of making sure they didn't spend all that time maintaining just sort of restructuring the engine as the business grew, but instead they could focus on building what was best for the client here and always be very flexible uh, as business need change, as I often does for a hyper-growth company. And so this was a huge benefit for, for both the developers involved and the business side. And what eventually came out of it was what a lot of requests for similar solutions. And that was on, at the point where I said, like, maybe this is a solution for the broader market. Then uh, it went open source. And so with that original user, let's call them, was there any discussion before building what would become Medusa about like who was going to own it? I can just imagine that sometimes you know, there's a risk, you build something custom for somebody and then they don't want to open source it because they want it to be just proprietary, they, they want it to be just theirs, um, particularly if they've hired an agency to build it. Was that an issue? No, not at all in this case. I think actually quite the opposite. They could as well see the benefit as, as many people see when you start building an open source product out of it, that if we had more people or more e-commerce companies coming in and adopting this type of solution, it would just feed into more feedback for us to understand where can we improve the engine, what can we make better. But it would also sort of give direct contributions uh, from the community and, and many of the contributions we see today are basically coming from other business needs out there where they have a particular use case with particular needs. And so some of it obviously flowed over and becomes valuable for the first time using it. So they were actually seeing more as a benefit here. As I think, I, I mean, a lot of companies do do today, do understand where you come from. But I also think there's, there's a lot of companies out there that have a bit of understanding of the open source world to really sort of see that both having a window into the engine, but also the possibility of leveraging a community of supporters really see a benefit from it. After that sort of initial user and that initial build, what was the process like, um, both you know, for you and your co-founders? Like, how long was it before you started getting requests for something similar? At what point did you decide to create the open source project? And then, 
at what point did you decide to focus on building a business around the open source project instead of just the agency? Demand came basically through word of mouth from other people that wanted similar solutions because they understood how valuable it was for this first client to have and to have an engine that they were able to scale with and basically take take ownership of. They hear word of mouth quite quickly spread and that led to a lot of interest. And I think this interest got, sort of made us reach a conclusion of maybe there is something more to this. And then quite naturally that flowed into the discussion, should this be a product on its own and a product company? And I think this was eventually also where, where I came much more into the conversation of having seen exact same dynamics. So this, this is a company making some uh, 20 million uh, euros a year. When I'd seen this, I'd seen it for much larger clients in, a, in an enterprise state, but having the exact same issues on the tech side of all these hacky, unmaintainable systems you were trying to work your way out of. And this demand is just so prevalent in the e-commerce space because none of the existing winners in the space really have been focusing on, on helping the developers out um, in time before. So th- there was a clear sort of need for this type of product. And I think that led us to say, can we give the same developer experience that was here as part of our first use case to every other developer? Then we already stand quite a good chance of, of being successful here. And so that eventually led us to both the decision to start the company, but also the decision to open source it. Because I think the natural reason why this was a success for this client was the complete control you get when you actually own the source code, when you understand all the inner workings of it. That you cannot pass on with using proprietary software. It's much easier. That that I think is where there is a lot of um, companies out there in the e-commerce space that try to be developer-focused. But it is really difficult to be super developer-focused without without giving the full transparency to developers. Therefore, I think open source stands a bit of an un, unfair advantage to companies that want to win, win over developers and want to sort of give that really reduce friction in the development. Here you just stand so much better with open source. And that was why it was supernatural to us to go the open source road really from a from a sort of developer standpoint of making it easier for them when they get to the build eventually. Of course, if you weren't open source, your sort of core positioning is that you're an open source Shopify. So you would just be another Shopify if you weren't open source. Is that right? Yeah, but I think and it's actually funny because so many we we got to the whole catchphrase of open source Shopify a bit uh, a bit not by accident. I say I think many people can relate and it makes it easy for them to comprehend exactly what Pedusa is doing. So I, in that way, it's, it's really great. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that we are so much more than just trying to build for the segment that that Shopify is caters to. So. I don't think for most people that uses Shopify low tier, just getting into e-commerce, I wouldn't necessarily ask them to shift to Medusa unless they are developers themselves. The minute where Medusa makes sense is usually when you start getting a bit more technical. So you kind of scale your Shopify store a bit, or you might be very technical from the beginning because you know you have a more complex case than sort of the usual e-commerce shop. And that's where a solution like Medusa makes so much sense because you really empower sort of the whole customization and you enable developers to build more in a more modular manner and build more custom solutions. And so we, not only by open sourcing, but by all the product 
choices we take, we really focus on developer experience and making it easy for developers to customize. And that's really where our place is in this world. Developer focused and enabling these more custom use cases to get out there. That's our sweet spot. So I don't think we, we didn't take the, we, we don't try to make it very easy for non-developer to go in and build with us. We make it very easy for developers to take us up and to build a very custom experience for the user in the end. And so I think in that way we hide it, we differentiate quite a lot, not only in the open source part, but all our way from building docs to building product to the way you can consume our APIs, etc. We differentiate from, from the likes of Shopify. It's fundamentally a different market because you're working with companies for whom Shopify just doesn't really work. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's a bit of what, what we experience here in the market. I think that's, like Shopify is an amazing solution to get started with. I've also used Shopify before and it can work until a certain extent, but there is just an inflection point where when you start to, even at, even selling just very traditional e-commerce, even if you think like, I don't have very complex needs, if you just scale like regular business and you start maybe having an EAP system to integrate to, or you start wanting to make let's say a bit more of a custom uh, offering on the front end or similar, you can sometimes make these things happen with Shopify. But the moment you start trying to build your way with sort of this monolith solution, trying to build in custom functionality into it, you take on technical depth because what you really do is just build a function on the side of it that try to solve this in one way or another, but it might never be, it's never really the native way or at least seldomly it will be Unless Shopify has some natively integrated app for it, which I think everyone building with Shopify knows that there are a million good good apps, but it's seldom exactly what you're looking for when, when you try to build these custom elements. So I think many merchants experience this affliction point. It's just a question of when do you want to invest into the developer resources as a merchant or when you as a developer have the resources to actually go and shift this platform and the sooner the better in terms of taking on technical depth oftentimes. Moving from an agency to being a product company, at what point did you stop taking development work, stop taking sort of agency work and focus exclusively on becoming an open source startup? So really the agency business was no longer part of Medusa when we started. We wanted to be very purposeful because there was a lot of demand for agency build solutions out there um, but we wanted to make sure we are product focused and meaning that we don't just build for the two three four clients that comes in and wants our agency support but we build for the hundreds of clients or thousands of clients that are looking for an open source alternative that they can customize for their own case and they can take in-house and this is really a philosophy we took in from the beginning we had a few cases we've been supporting it's very light touch and we have actually decided not to take in more support cases because we want to be product focused and we want to, instead of build anything for merchants, we want to enable them to build themselves. And I think, yeah, this is this just been a very deliberate choice from the beginning. I think the, the benefit from it is coming from an agency background, we know many of the things you want to achieve as an, as an agency or building for a client. And we understand sort of the, the building mindset and developer mindset going into saying, 
I want to build an e-commerce store of XYZ functionality. We've seen many of, of the cases, both the straightforward, more or less cases, and the more nuanced ones. And this gives us a bit of understanding of what is it in the end our users want. Because usually it is the agencies pulling us into cases now, or the head of engineering or the CTO of a merchant. So uh, to answer very short, shortly, I think it was in the very, uh, very beginning of our um, of starting the company that we moved away from the whole agency program. Excellent. And are you monetizing Medusa in any way at the moment? No, I said we have we have very very low stream revenue source from some agency work, but it's yeah, it's really not a focus. And again, I think for us. Our focus is right now, we obviously BC back, which enable us to build a company and to keep focusing on product. But for us, the, the focus right now is really to build the product that every developer out there want to use. And we know some of the path possible to monetization here, but instead of trying to monetize very early and being very driven by metrics of basically trying to hack our way to, to revenue growth. We much rather try to build a fantastic product that people love and then monetize afterwards based on the needs we see here from different developers using our open source product. So what we try, what we're super focused on right now is learning from the users we see of Medusa, from the cases that are out there and feeding that directly into our discussion of monetization, which obviously will be a thing later on, but it's not... It's not something we want to focus on right now. We want to be product focused. That that has been a clear decision from our side. And so what metrics are you focused on now? And in fact, how do you even measure we've created a product that people love? So we track a bunch of different metrics. I don't want to go into too many details of, of all of them. I think if you should talk about North Star metrics, I know that's a popular term these days. I think the number of active developers using Medusa it's often one of the ones we, we pride ourselves with because that's really where we can see, okay, we have actual users out there using this on a daily or weekly basis. And that is super important for us to understand is the adoption going well, how many have an idea of how many cases might be built out there. And then we, we have a bunch of other metrics underneath in terms of how many projects get started, downloads, um, developers that use us on sort of multiple times a week, etc. So we are very much on the user metrics um, focused. One additional metric which we don't necessarily try to quantify, but it's very important for us is to understand like the user feedback coming from the market. Because again, eventually that will feed into how we are also going to build a commercial offering, understanding our users and the way they use Medusa at the moment. So we spend a lot of time on talking to development agencies, talking to merchants, using Medusa, and just getting a grip of what is the experience? What is it really they lack in the market that we can feed into? And so that is an ongoing, uh, ongoing focus area. And are you looking for, or do you have outside code contributors? Yeah, yes, we, we have quite a few. I think the latest we had 81 from last month, uh, active contributors as we call it. And what has been really sort of astonishing to us with this journey is, I mean, we've assisted from for a year now, we've seen a lot of traction in terms of GitHub stars, in terms of 
uh, almost 13,000 GitHub stars. We are almost 3,000 community members, plus 10,000 project starts. And a lot of these metrics that are really nice to have, but also some of them, I mean, a bit superficial is they're good. But what really matters is that how many picks it up and use it. Even more important, how many, as you mentioned here, contributes and, and help us get better and help us build together with us, which which is frankly amazing with a community like this. It's nice to see how many people are already coming in and getting involved. And I think if you visit our Discord on a daily basis, you will see many developer discussions going on and how to accomplish X, Y, Z thing. And, and sometimes it's the engineering team, but oftentimes it's actually a community member beforehand that jumps in and, and helps another friend out here. Yeah, I have to say um, one of the reasons I was so excited to have this conversation is I feel like I've heard a lot about Medusa and in fact was surprised to see how how young you are because it feels like you have just a lot of buzz going on. We've been going at it for a year now and I think even we have been quite stoked to see how many people have engaged. And again, I think one thing is to see sort of the immediate interest of, of GitHub stars and others, but what we're much more proud of is seeing how many people that comes again every day in our, uh, in our Discord community and helps all, others out, how many people contribute actively or build solutions with Medusa. And obviously not all of our builders sort of end up as active uh, contributors, some just consume the engine. But it's fantastic to see um, how much traffic floating in here. But I mean, to me, it, it also, Obviously, it speaks a great deal to the product itself, but also speaks a bit to the market here. And I, I frankly also feel that developers for a long time, especially in the modern developers, have been neglected in the e-commerce discussion. I think so many solutions, if you look for what most e-commerce providers out there optimize for, it's either the small merchants out there, like Shopify, again, doing a fantastic job of this, but enabling smaller merchants to build stores, but it's never really built with a focus on building fantastic APIs for developers uh, as, as Stripe or others have done in the ecosystem. On the other hand, you have some of the larger companies out there, be it Salesforce or be it commerce tools even, they, have, they might have a product for enterprises and that can take in some, some degree of customizations, but the super enterprise focus still and they never really sort of sat down and said, what is it the, the modern developer wants? And I think this is where we try to stand out. And what do you do, if anything, specifically for community development? Community development comes a bit natural with product and it's not something we force fit. And I think we've tried to take, in, to take a developer first approach in the way we work and, and operate. And I think as... As you know, as a developer, the last thing you want is sort of very marketing, salesy, focused content. So we strip Medusa from everything related to that. I think we've never spent a dollar on, on marketing or ads or similar. What we spend our resources on and our focus on is producing developer-focused content. So really, instead of trying to sell Medusa to anyone, we just try to explain in, in basic terms, what is it you can accomplish with Medusa? How does uh, the engine functions? How does it differ? But instead of going in and, and promising everything, we much more, much rather want to showcase how do you accomplish a good setup? 
And so we build a lot of our content around how to get started, how to use Medusa in different contexts. And sort of this product-focused content has really been, been key to us when going out there to developers. And how do you imagine Medusa growing in the next year or two? It's obviously been a good good run for the last year, but we are still at a, at a point in time where we don't want to focus and solve the whole world at once. We want to focus very much still on, on developers and building the best e-commerce platform to use as the developer. This you would also see when you look at Medusa in a year from now that we will probably not have shifted very much on the focus we have right now. We'll probably do it in, in a myriad of different ways, but we're going to stay consistent on, we build for developers and build a great tool to them. We believe if you have a, a fantastic product, then getting to the merchant is much more a question of developers wanting to build with you and wanting to bring you into the conversation necessarily a merchant from the outside saying, look, let's use Medusa because I've heard it's good for customization, but it's actually ask the developers to do these and build these customization with tools is best. They are an integral part of the decision-making and through them, we really get out there as well to merchants. So it's a developer focus to really build a great solution for, for merchants in the end. And you mentioned earlier that you've grown quite a bit by word of mouth. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think you've been able to get so much word of mouth? It comes from a dynamic of both supply and demand here. If we, if we start with the demand side, I think, again, many of the previous solutions in this space have been super commercially, not even commercially driven, but just merchant driven and merchant focused in their approach. And not too many have taken the approach of saying, let's build a tool that is great for developers. And that's great for, for building these type of custom setups, which have really been sort of Medusa's core focus. Not a lot of solutions in this space. I think the previous one that have been out there, I mean, the Magento of the world, the Magentos of the world is a great example of a solution that, that was really, really strong in the times where you build these monolith all-in-one solutions. But as, as I mean, the whole stack across e-commerce have evolved and you start seeing all these point solutions, they are, have become less relevant and less sort of well-fitted into a world where you want to build for composability and you want to build a modular setup. That's really where a solution like Medusa fits in. And then on the supply side, I think what we've done well with our product is probably the focused approach. We have focused so much on doing a few things right instead of trying to do everything at once. And as you can probably hear, that also goes through our focus and the path of saying, let's focus on the open source product right now and building that one uh, great. We really try to make sure that we don't want to cover the whole palette of functionality. I think a lot of people ask, for instance, on CMS capabilities and say, could you not build that into Medusa uh, from the beginning? And obviously you can, but you can also use Strapi or Sanity or Contentful or the likes that have built amazing tools solely on CMS functionality. And let's instead let them do what they do great, do all the content management, and then we do the e-commerce part. And by always taking this approach of we don't want to build in functionality that someone else already does, really, really well, but we instead want to build the e-commerce elements needed and the APIs and to integrate with outside solutions. 
being so focused have given us an itch in terms of our product, our product roadmap and, and have enabled us to quite quickly build a solution that is frankly already now being used by everything from, from small startups just getting started to companies selling for more than 100 million a year. I think that has been our core play. So a lot of demand out there and a solution that is race focused on doing a few things very well. This is uh, one of my last questions, but uh, how did you come up with the name? <laughs> That's a really good question. We've been asked that a ton of times. And I think very short story was when um, when we first built Medusa, it was we were always thinking of this headless approach. Medusa is headless, uh, meaning a separation here, front end and back end. And I don't know how familiar you are with the real story of Medusa, but really the story is that the way Medusa could be could be killed in the end was by chopping off her head. That was the only uh, only way to to get it stopped. And I think we we started there with the headless approach, and so that had been uh, that was the real story behind it. Then I think since uh, a few other stories have evolved around uh, Medusa's snakes being all the integrations you could make and and similar, but but really that was where it came from the whole headless approach here. Great. Well, um, anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think one one thing we haven't maybe discussed, but I think it's, it's worth mentioning here is we talked a bit about sort of the Medusa growth being, being quite impressive. I think what is one thing that we are benefiting from that a lot of other companies in this space is benefiting from is just the maturity of the open source landscape, which I think if you look at open source tools five years back, then go three years back, and then go one or two years back, you see major changes in terms of how many people are going in and contributing, how many companies are going in and building new tools here. The amount of companies also starting to adopt this type of technology has really been been strong. And I think you have so many great things going on for open source at the moment, basically because companies are understanding that the complexity out there businesses often give you needs to be solved not by a bunch of proprietary tools but you really need in-house tech you really need to take ownership and control of your solutions and your open source technology is just stands so strong and i think there's just been a major shift in the re- recent years and it's it's really great to be part of an of a system that of an ecosystem that is growing so much but i also think it's, it's to other companies in this space or considering going into this space, I think it's fantastic to see that maybe open source will never be on the executive board decisions uh, just five years back. But today, it, it's really, it's a thing that not only starts with the developers, but also go all the way through larger corporations and really becoming an ingrained part of how you how you do tech and uh, the way you set up a, a well-functioning tech stack here. Excellent. And how can people connect with you or follow you or learn more? Yeah, I have a Twitter. I definitely need to do more on that one. But I can connect in there. Otherwise, LinkedIn is usually where I uh, I usually share my opinions or views on, on anything. And then uh, if they want a bit more personal touch to it, I definitely recommend people to jump into our Discord. Both uh, me and the full founding team and, and engineering team is in there. So uh, you can catch us there. Fabulous. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was a great conversation. Thank you for taking time here, Emily. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business of Open Source. 
If you'd like to learn more about positioning, messaging, and go-to-market for open source and cloud-native startups, head over to my blog, positioningopensource.com. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. I'm at Emily O'Meara, and you can feel free to reach out on Twitter or on my website and blog with questions or comments. If you enjoyed this episode, also please share and help more people discover this podcast. Thank you, and we hope to have you next week.